0: Hey, you're listening to the Winnipeg Music Project, where music making matters. I'm your host, Ashley bien Each episode features interviews with local music makers and hopes to connect the vibrant Winnipeg music scene with listeners like you. Through stories of songwriting, album releases, and touring, listen to the unique journeys of local artists who love what they do. to the Winnipeg Music Project on 101.5 UMFM Music Making Matters. I'm Ashley Being as your host. Today I'm here with Lisa Muswagon and Helen Back. Hello, how are you?
1: Good day, good evening. How's everybody doing? I'm doing super fine right now. Awesome.
2: Hello, hello. How y'all doing?
1: Good. Thank you so much for coming down
0: and chatting with me. I've been wanting to do this for a while. Um, I love what you both do for the community and um, I'm... Uh, I see you walk through Manitoba music sometimes, and just like starstruck. So I'm Aww. so happy that you get to <laughs> to um
1: uh be on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Yes.
0: Um. So let's jump into it. Uh. Can you give like a quick elevator pitch of of what your music is and, and what if you you were talking to a music professional, how would you describe your sound?
1: Okay. So um. Well, of course, my name is Lisa Miswagon. I originally come from the Pimichigamac Cree Nation, which is Cross Lake, Manitoba. And um, I also have roots in Norway House through my father. And it's my mother who's from Cross Lake. But I also carry roots from Carry the Kettle, Saskatchewan, which is my grandmother who's Nakota. So I identify as a Nakota Cree um, indigenous woman. And... Um, yeah, so when it comes to my music, um, I was exposed to music through ceremonies at a young age. I was fortunate fortunate enough to be raised um, through ceremony with through my father, through my mother. They were both very inspirational and motivating, and um, we were just lucky to be raised that way. So um, when I first took interest in singing. I would hear my dad play music, and we grew up in the Native American church, so there was a lot of um, peyote songs, which was rapid drumming, like the dung 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 and then there was a lot of vocal and harmonies with the songs, and it, it really interested me growing up. And so I, it really drew me into the sounds. My dad would play all these cassette tapes at the time. No, I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> but the music was. And so he had all these cassette tapes that he would play. And I was just drawn to the format. And I we listened to it so much. And I was learning the music that I began to recognize format. And then, um, and then I would start singing on the drum on the, on this water drum and my dad would drum and I would sing with the gourd. And so that would be the first time I would be singing. And, um, after that, we moved into the city. We lived on the, in a rural area near Melonton, Manitoba at the time. And, um, so we moved to the city and, uh, when we came to the city, um, I wanted to take more interest into singing and dancing and powwow and, you know, stuff like that, stuff that were culturally, um, there was like a lot of cultural enrichment in the schools at the time, so I wanted to participate in that, and, um, and when we were going to school, I, I really enjoyed powwow, and I, rem- and I remember my grandmother, who is from Carrie the Kettle, she, um, she would make us... Um, powwow outfits and then we'd go dancing at the powwow and so it it again there was my exposure to the drum to the music because you had to know when to start when to stop and then so I just built on understanding format and songs and par- and like I guess participating in the song through drumming and dancing and then so from then on I started singing locally with m- male drum groups and in some cultures, um, women singing at the drum is not accepted, but I did it anyway. And I did it here at the school, at, like in the schools here in the city. And then uh, I remember going to Children of the Earth and I was the only woman allowed to sing at the drum because I knew the drum style. I knew how to drum and I was already experienced with singing a lot with a lot of the males and I used to admire the harmonies of the women the backup singers and so because I knew already knew song and format but I was getting a lot of criticism at the same time and I didn't understand but my grandmother always told me you know what this drum it it, it's a it's from women it's a gift from women and you have that right to sing so don't ever be discouraged and so I I would listen to her and I would keep doing it and there were many times where males would come up to me and say, "Hey, you're not supposed to be you know singing on that drum." And and then uh, I just did it anyway, like I said, I did it anyway, but I didn't know I was like trailblazing at the time or regardless of the criticism, and it did a lot to my self-esteem. So coming to my teenage years, my my father gave me a hand drum for Christmas. And it was all that I got for Christmas. And so when I got that drum, and my sister got the drum, right, because if she got a gift, then, of course, I would be upset or whatever. (laughs) Sisters, you know. But um, we both ended up getting a hand drum for Christmas. And then we just learned from that drum. My dad would tell us stories about it. The first drums we got were really heavy, so we ended up reconstructing them, and we watched him do it. So he was teaching us how to make these drums at the same time and because I was already recognized with the pattern, the format of the song and already knew how to drum, um, it just made it even better for me and my sister to work off harmonies like, hey, you could sing off the low part, I'll sing the high part or vice versa and um, that's how I first got exposed to the hand drum when I was a teenager. And so that would be how I started singing with the hand drum.
0: Amazing. And so you had no formal training. Um, it was all just from the community being surrounded by it and just picking it up as you went.
1: I would say it came from ceremony, whether it was from the Pau Circle or through like our, you know, Native ceremony, Sweat Lodge Sundance, you know, our Native American church ceremonies. Um, I, I believe that's where my roots from singing came from.
0: Right. And... Um, while you were picking up this passion for performing music, did any other genres ever come to mind or was it always just like, I want this, this music of my of my culture?
1: Well, when as I got older, I was always like coming from the cultural point of view, right? So I was always asked in the community, can you come sing this song? Can you come sing that? Because I was a Nakota Cree woman and I was already doing land acknowledgement back then when I think about it because... Like, um, I would be asked to sing at a conference or some kind of whatever, and then I would be singing Ojibwe honor songs. So here I was, this Nakota Cree woman, singing these Ojibwe songs, and they would say, why are you singing in Ojibwe? And I would say, well, because Winnipeg, You know, is but I wasn't like, Oh, it's treaty one, right? I was like (laughs) I was like, because that's where the Ojibwe's, you know, this is their land, their area, and we're from the north, so I have to honor that, honor the people. Right. And so I would get that criticism from the from my Cree relatives, like, what are you doing singing Ojibwe songs? You're saying you're (laughs) singing it wrong. (laughs) And then so my mom would say, You should change those Ojibwe songs to Cree songs. So, my pronunciation with language got more exposed, but I never spoke my language, but I was always around it, right, so I can understand words and These are one of the things that I wanna work on in my next project is having more language in my music because like the my current album is it's a form of storytelling, and i'll I'll get into more of that as we go along as I tell more of my story, but I want it to be like more feeling, more depth. And when you listen to the music, you it's it's like, this is how I explain it to kids or to people that when I'm doing drum workshops or singing workshops, I tell them that when you were in your mother's stomach or, you know, when your mom was pregnant with you, your mom probably hummed or sang a song like "Hmm, hmm, hmm," or "Rockabye baby," or whatever. Right? We'll use "Rockabye baby" for example. So, for example, your mom's humming "Rockabye baby" on the treetop. But when you're in your mom's stomach, your heartbeat's going so "Dum, dum, 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 rock a "Rockabye baby" on the treetop. And then you kind of like add in the way hey uh, way hey ho uh, way hey uh, or for example, right? So then you use the yo the and because of the pattern and the recognition that I've heard in Pao songs, you know the crease singers would be like yeah da, right? Like really high pitched, but they were said a lot of yeah da way hey ah uh, ho, right? And. Native American church, there was always like, hey, nay, you know, are certain types of dialect in these songs that I've heard. And so when I made Buffalo and Rabbits, I wanted to use those dialects to explain the story that I was trying to tell. Because, um, like I said, my roots also come from Norway House. My late grandfather' name was Myrtle Scribe. And um, on my mom's side, my grandparents were long gone before they died from alcoholism they were in the residential school so I never ever had the opportunity to meet my grandparents on my mother's side so I always had my grandmother on my dad's side teaching me these things passing down these teachings and my late grandfather I always heard stories about him because he's the late Myrtle scribe and they name a building after him in the north end the Myrtle scribe center so my grandfather told stories about northern Manitoba, stories and legends. And there's a children's book actually called Myrtle's Story. And so it's actually available in your elementary school. So go ahead and check your library <laughs> nice and plug. take it out. And, and so he, um, I wanted to follow that legacy of storytelling. And so that's when I chose the, the, to, to call my album uh, um, Buffalo and Rabbits. I wanted it to be like abstractive and, you know, just kind of abstractive about this story. And the story is about um, Wapus and Wapus in my language means rabbit. And so this one time a couple years back, I took my husband to my home community. One summer we said, hey, we're going to go live there. (laughs) And so we packed up all our stuff and we went to go live in my community And when we lived there, there was so many things going on at the time. This was before I would start going to university. And um, when I went over there, they, they, uh, we were, we were, uh, during one of the activities was a round dance. And so I remember everyone, we're going to have a round dance this time at this place. And So we went over there and we're like, hey, we're ready to round dance. And I knew uh, being a woman that I would get some criticism, but I wanted to participate anyway as a backup singer or, you know, dancing or whatever. But when we got there, nobody knew the protocol of how to do the round dance. And so there were certain steps that needed to be done, certain things you needed to do. And there's a lot of, like, not commotion, but a lot of discussion about it. And so it never happened and so for me I was like just heartbroken because I'm like hey you know what this is these are our roots we should be doing this you know our cousins our cousins over in Alberta and Saskatchewan they're all round dancing like what kind of crees are we all we do is you know <laughs> Red River jig like that's not us that's colonialism you know mm-hmm. I'm like I'm like this shit I was heartbroken about it and I really took took it to uh yeah, took it to heart and I was a little bit offended, like, what, what, why can't, why couldn't we do this? And so when I came home, I had lost a cousin. And at the time I was really creative making like just songs in my head. I already had some songs that, that were lined up that we should have done like 10 years ago. And so I finally brought them out to light and I wanted to put them all in a story. And the story is about Wapus, who um, is from northern Manitoba, and she she gets a letter in the mail. I tried to modernize it by saying, okay, we're going to get mail. No email, there's no technology in there, but there's, like, she gets a letter in the mail. And the mail is from a relative who knows of someone who came to Pimichigamac a long time ago and danced with the other people, right, the The older animals, And so the journey is, is that Wapus takes this, uh, accepts this journey to go get the story of the round dance and bring it back home to the people. And so she goes and walks. She goes on this journey on foot, and she goes through these landscapes. And if you look at my album Buffalo and Rabbits, and look at all the titles of it. It's that story of her going there and then coming home. And at the end, it's going back home to Pimichigamac. And so that's what I story tell. I haven't wrote the book yet. I plan to do that sometime when I maybe after I've done my studies. Mm -hmm. But um, right now I story tell it. So when people ask me to come, you know, participate in their school or teach their youth, that's when I tell the story. And so by the end of my session, I already have the whole classroom dancing. And so I'm performing at the Festival de Voyager this weekend. So I'm hoping to get get those people dancing. Yeah, Amazing. So that's, that's where it's at so far. Well, there's a lot more, but that's kind of how my exposure came, the music. And if I wanted to tell somebody what my music is, who doesn't really understand what this is, it's like... It's like I said in the um the lullaby song. You're just taking the way, hey yeah, and making these melodies. And even the song Buffalo and Rabbits, um, that it's so interesting how that came. Um we me and my sister actually um we kept reformatting an old an older tune, right? We were given a tune. It's kinda of like a game. Here's this tune, you know, make it your song. And so we did. And that's where I share buffalo and rabbits. But there's another song. Um uh, The Eagle. Um a visit with Sue. So that song I, yeah, um, I used to be in, in a youth group in my er, uh, about while, in my early twenties, I was in a youth group, and we traveled out to um Blood Vein, and we were talking about residential school to the young people and so it it got really heavy so our our workshop got really heavy and to kind of like unwind it was evening time and we were told to, you know go about do whatever you want and so i went down by the lake and i was like just my mind was so heavy and i remember just sitting there laying there listening to the water and hearing the wind it was just blowing and I remember my dad. When my dad gave me my drum on Christmas, I was really upset, and I said to him, "Dad, how am I supposed to like do this?" He's like, "Will you make songs? What am I supposed to do? Throw some tobacco in the air and let it come? Maybe a song will come." He's like, "Yeah, that's exactly what you do." And I thought, "Oh, rolling my eyes." <laughs> so it made me think of that time. Like, okay, maybe I should listen to the wind and see if I get a song. And sure enough, when I listened to the wind. That's what I heard, right, was that tune. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And I kept repeating that tune. And, um, yeah, and so that's, that's how that song came. So it was a lot of, like, like just listening to your, listening to nature, right, listening to, really tuning in. And and hopefully I get to that place one day where I can just tune into nature and, you know, make more songs. And but we're we're coming there.
0: amazing before I ask you any more questions so um, Helen back um, could we ask where where you came from from, 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 in terms of music or what inspired you to get to pursue a career in in music
2: um, wow I've been doing this music since the latter part of 30 years now Um, when I started I was really into heavy metal I was really into like heavy metal like Pantera uh, Metallica a lot of like heavy metal groups, but I couldn't honestly see myself like, play guitar. <laughs> I, I'm i not going to lie, like shout out to my uncle back home, if he ever hears this somewhere in the internet land. But uh, my uncle, he was trying to teach me guitar when I was a kid. And I I remember playing with his guitar and trying to learn. He taught me one song, I think it was like Wipeout, and I can still play that to this day. But it, it, the music that he was trying to teach me, he was like, I'm sorry, your, your fingers are too chubby. <laughs> Now that's exactly what he told me. So I was like, oh, "Man, Oh okay, okay, I'm not going to try this anymore. So it's so funny that you're making me remember that right now. But no, that that's like one of the things when I was growing up, I was trying to be, I just wanted to be a musician. I just wanted to be in entertainment. It didn't really matter what it was, an actor or anything. To me, it was all, it was all coming, being able to not be who you were. In, in a sense, you know what I mean. Like I grew up a chubby kid, like chubby kid I had uh, confidence issues and whatnot. But when it came to like drama class and it came to poetry and stuff like that, none of that mattered. You know, it it was just, it was like um, I I was able to act a fool in a class in drama class and stuff like that, make people laugh and everything, and and get great good grades for it. You know what I mean? So I I took that feeling of 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 drama class in school and, and I just kind of always ran with it like I when I when I got introduced to hip-hop my brother introduced me to hip-hop at a young age and I started writing poetry and stuff for my mom at a young age you know like roses are red, violets are blue, stuff like that now um, and uh, it just morphed from writing poetry to writing raps to freestyling to At the time, there was, like, my brother was, like, my only competition. And I always tore him up. Like, I was, my brother's my older brother. But when it comes to music, I'm, like, the older brother. You know what I mean? Like, he's, like, way older than me. He's, like, five years older three years older than me, around there. He's, like, in his 40s now. Like, I'm 40, so he's 43. But um, he, when it comes to music, it's, like, he's still, like, 18. You know what I mean? Like, and for me, when like, it comes to music, I feel like I'm like 60. <laughs> Some real <laughs> stuff, you know, like I feel, I feel I feel really old, but I, I feel that the best music is still going to be coming. I come from Hobima, Alberta, Samson Cree Nation. And when, in Hobima, Alberta, at the time, there wasn't that much. Um There wasn't that much for kids to do other than, you know, get lost in like, you know, gangs or drinking or drugs and stuff like that. For me, um, music was like, I can honestly say if it wasn't for music, I wouldn't be here. Like, I know a lot of to say that kind of stuff, but if really, if it wasn't for music, I, I don't think it, I would be here because I've lost a lot of friends growing up um, and they were, you know, drinking or partying or, you know, gang violence or something like that. And I know for a fact that I lost some friends where I would have been with them if it weren't for music. I would have been partying with them. I would have been, but I was always... For me, when I was coming up, it was it was before the internet. So it was just grind, 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 grind. Like everything, everything. Like faxing and, you know, driving around. Dri- I'm not going to, I don't want to promote it, but we, were, I was driving around with like no license at the time and just crazy going to the different reservations and trying to meet people and this and that, trying to just get my tape out, whatever we're doing, you know. So it was, we, we sacrificed everything back in the day and if anybody was asked about what my music is nowadays it's it's gone through so many changes but my 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 like the soundscape has gone through so many changes in the in the soundscape of music and hip hop but i've always just kept it lyrical like if you've ever listened to any of my songs i'm like rapid fire so um yeah that's i just say my, my music is it, i i can change with the times but at the same time i don't change myself Mm-hmm. you know so my music is just if you're looking for raw hip hop then that's where i'm at right.
0: yeah. so for forgive me i'm very young in terms of understanding how like things music was made um mm-hmm. before the internet so <laughs> um how would you make your mixtapes and, and when you before, before software was oh, easy man. to make when
2: beats fir- when i fir- okay i got going to tell you when i first started when i first started making music <sighs> Mind you, I'm 40 years old. I've been rapping for 30 years. Um, when I when I started hip hop, there was no studios that would even take a chance on native rappers. And I'm talking like just rap in general. It was so new to the like this is like mid 80s, you know, 90s, late 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 80s is when I started getting into hip hop, and the early 90s is when I started really excelling. But at the time, there was like, it was new. It was like so new. There was only like five. I know I knew five Native MCs and I rapped with three of them. I always joke around by saying that, but that's the truth. Because like, you know, the internet was just dropping. So that's the only way I got to know other MCs outside of my res. Besides going to these res myself and then going back the next year with another tour and seeing more MCs built. Because when we went out, we built the market. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here but we we built the market there was no market for native rap before war party before what we did there was no market there was i think native hip Net was about to start but that was still like years before years after native like we started what we did so like man we i remember (laughs) i remember when, when it came to beats I remember listening to beats on tape cassette and my my homie Jason Anderson, who I first started rapping with, he had a four track mixer. And we had two recordable cassette tape decks. And we listened to one tape from like a hip hop tape that we had. And then we'd find the break. So when we find the break, you know, the breakdown is like the the just the drums by itself. So when the breakdown hit, we'd rewind that record it on this side, stop it, stop it, rewind, rewind, record, rewind, rewind, record, rewind, until we had enough of that break to make a song. Then we'd take that tape, put it back into this tape, take another tape and record through headphones as the microphone because we were so new to it, we didn't have a microphone. So we were rapping through the microphone, then we'd take the microphone cord up <laughs> to what we rapped about. Um, that was like the first recording I ever had. And it was just, it was just like a tape stop, tape stop motion. It was like claymation almost, you know what I mean? And, but, um, and then I got introduced to Rex and them and Rex and them were just like on a total different level. Like you, you know, you meet people and then you meet people that are serious. That's what they were. Rex was like, I, I, I credit Rex, small boy to being the godfather, like, everything of native of native but i know people say i know people say taco tko he's a, a local rapper from around here but in my eyes it was rex because rex he had the vision of what we wanted to do and he had the. we didn't know what the equipment was so we we grinded all day and night studied things trying to find things what, what we could use and he had leaps and bounds ahead of other people and then that's how I met Stomp and I met Girly MC, and I met Tribal D. My brother was already with me in the group part. Like me and him had a group of our own. So then we just kind of, when we met them, we just kind of morphed into War Party, you know, and, um, and we just ran with it. Like War Party at first was like, it was like a joke. It was like a joke between us, you know. It's like how when you pick your rap names, you know, at first, they're jokes. You know, people making fun of you or something like that. Well, that was my experience anyway. Um, my first rap name was Kool-Aid, the Chubby Cree, <clears throat> <laughs> And it always makes people laugh, but that's, if you, if you, if you understand what I'm talking about, when I, I was a chubby kid, I had confidence issues. The only way I could combat these confidence issues was just taking it head on. You know, just being like, okay, I, I'm chubby, I'm fat, I know, whatever i'm still gonna tear your ass up (laughs) rapping you know what i mean i'm still gonna i'm still gonna give it to you you know that's just what that's what i started getting to know so when it when in the hallways of my school it was like hey kool-aid at first like making fun of me but then after a while i was like yo what up kool-aid you know what i mean like yo what's up dog how you doing man this is kool-aid you know like it just came into that so
0: how is kool-aid a way to make is it like a mean thing to call somebody? <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, the the <clears throat> see back in the day, um, I was I was like in high school, I was like three something. No, in junior high too. I was like I was big. I was a big kid. I was way bigger than I am now. And uh, I remember my mom bought me this uh, Ralph Lauren. It was a button-up Ralph Lauren blue shirt. That was that time when the red shirt. That's when everybody was wearing, like, Ralph Lauren, everybody. I thought, cool, you know, like, I can be a part of the kids. Like, I got Ralph Lauren, you know, I thought I was cool at that time. And I walked into the class, and it was a bright red shirt, you know, big kid. Hey, Kool-Aid. <laughs> and then everybody, ah, oh, laughing and stuff. I'm like, oh, this mother F. And then after a while, it just turned into, what's up, Kool-Aid? Because I just, I, I accepted it. I right. didn't let it get me down i didn't let it bother me because i already knew i was a chubby kid but i when it come to rapping like, like you can touch me mm-hmm. and even to this day like i i talk to key kids and stuff i'm i'm gonna be an old man rapping and still testing these younger rappers you know i'm gonna be the coolest grandpa rapper <laughs> ever i swear to god it's gonna be awesome
0: awesome <laughs> uh, and when was the first time uh when you you kind of realized like wow i can actually make a career of this like i'm i can like i actually have the chance to make a statement in the, in the industry?
2: When when I started touring, when I started touring at 13, wow. when, my mo- when, I, when, I, when I first started touring, I was like, because I was rapping for years prior and uh, I met up with Rex and them. I was, it was summer, it was summer's like during summer break. Um, my mom was at work and I was just doing nothing at home, you know, playing video games or cleaning up or doing whatever. And all of a sudden I got a call My mom was like, can you get dressed? Can you get ready? Pack some stuff. Uh, Rex is here. You talked me into it. You're going to go on tour with him. So I was like, what?
0: Your mom? Yeah. Wow.
2: So she pushed, she like opened the lane for me, like made it happen. Like it was something I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to ask her. But Rex just took it upon himself to ask her instead of waiting for me to ask her, you know. So when he asked her, it just turned into, you know, my first show officially was in Minneapolis, like, on the state side. And people thought I was from New York, all sorts of this and that. And I'm like, no, I'm from Hope, Alberta. Where? Where are you from? <laughs> and as much as I rap, like, even to this day, people think, wow, you're you're dope. You're from Winnipeg, right? I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not from Winnipeg. I am a Winnipegger. Like, I live here, but I'm not from here. I'm from Alberta. And they just can't get over it. Like, wow, you're from Alberta and this and that, like, you sound like you're from this big city. You sound like, no, it's just from a reservation, you know? I guess it's just all about swag and confidence about yourself. Because I just, I just, even to this date, like I tell my kids, you know, just don't tell anybody the same, like, don't take no for an answer. You know, if you want something, you got to work real hard to go get it. Me and your, your mom are proof positive of that. You know, we work, we work hard every day to make sure that we feed all you kids on top of <laughs> making and that's where it, as we got older it's a different it's it's more of a different hustle you know right it doesn't become about you or your image it becomes about your kids and your family you know you can see that in my music and the progress of my music too mm-hmm.
1: so how did you two meet well when i first met um helen back he was kool-aid that chubby be great <laughs> <laughs> We met when text messages were fifty cents each. <laughs> they were so expensive at the time, and so um, it was a while back. There was um, there used to be a club downtown called the Avenue, and it was part of where APTN is now. And so um the one on the corner of the street of um Portage and is it Hargrave? Portage and Hargrave no Yeah, but the 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 venue that we met was in between was at the corner of Hargrave. So it was called the Avenue anyway and APTN was having this show called um uh contact but and it was hosted by Rick Harp. I don't know if you remember Rick Harp. No, just kidding. But <laughs> shout out to Rick Hart. But um, he um, he had the show, and one of my friends was working as uh, like she was learning broadcasting and stuff, and she's like, "We need some audience members. Can you come?" And I was like, "Yeah, okay." And then so I went and I participated as a as an uh, as part of the audience, and it was a live show and. And then all of a sudden, like, this guy came out on the stage, and he started throwing CDs towards my way, and it was always my way. And I was like, what's this guy doing? And people were, like, jumping for the CDs and, like, diving for the (laughs) CDs. And here I'm just sitting there, and they're at my feet watching them. (laughs) And then, because I didn't really, um, the first time I probably seen War Party was on the res, because later in my teenage years, when I was about 16, I ended up moving back to my community and um, I lived there for until I graduated high school and so there I kind of lost touch with some of my my music I wasn't because it was really Christian and my auntie would say that's devil's music and I'd you know get into it with everybody and I just decided I wasn't going to defend it anymore and so I just put it away for a while and then I wasn't singing and so I remember I was like really into like old school hip-hop right like I remember hearing the beat nuts and um, of course Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and I like I never really like listened to the contents of the music at the time and when you listen to it now it's like so degrading right and <laughs> my right. kids are like that's so old ew, shut it off and so, but for me, it was like, what? This was like the music. These are the gems, right? <laughs> like, wave your hands in the, you know. Like, and I, and then I thought, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, that was pretty degrading. But at the time and through all that mix, that's when I seen like, like, more um, party on much music and on my res. And I remember thinking like, wow, it's so cool. These native hip hop artists. But at the time, I didn't think like that. Oh, one day this man's going to be my husband. Okay, I'm up. <laughs> <them. laughs> and then... <laughs> and then <laughs> i I
2: followed her.
1: But I didn't, I didn't mean to follow her to the bathroom and wait outside the bathroom until she came <laughs> home. Then I came out of the washroom and there he was. <laughs> but we, we were talking for like a year. We... Got to know each other, and then, um, and then one day he's just like, "Hey, I'm not Kool Aid anymore," and I'm like, "What?" And, yeah, and he's like, "I have a new rap name. It's Helen Back." And to me, that was weird, right? <laughs> I was like, "Helen Back, okay," and I'd be like, "Yeah, I got yeah, my." boyfriend his name is Helen back you know (laughs) so it's kind of hard to explain to people at the time who didn't really understand the music they're like yeah okay Lisa your boyfriend (laughs) Helen back I'm
0: sure your grandmother appreciated that
1: (laughs) (laughs) well it took her a while to like she never really said anything about my relationship as much as my parents did Right, because they all thought, like, oh, you grew up in ceremony, you should meet a ceremonial man, and you know, like, one blah blah blah. Like, they had their expectations, but when I met Carmen, um, we just got to know each other, and then I asked him, Hey, you know, you come visit, and he visited a couple times, and then finally one day he's like, You know, I broke up with this group, blah blah blah, I'm just gonna be staying over here, and I'm like, Why don't you just come stay here, try it out, we'll see how it goes. You know, and then so he came, and then that's when he started things with Official. And so um, we went to this venue one night, and then there he met another producer who was working on a film at the time. And then that's when the whole ball started rolling. But, of course, there were some, you know, breakups here and there, as many relationships go in the beginning. And then just eventually... He kept asking me, marry me, marry me, marry me. And then finally in like 2014, I said I would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fine. <laughs> yeah. well, well, a lot of things
2: happened. A lot of, a lot of things um, changed in that, in that time period because I just finished like um, basically becoming sober. Um, I stopped doing a lot of drugs. I just basically got my back into my life again. You know that's, what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, because that's why we broke up a lot yeah. because of the – like the mentality of hip hop at the time. It was like, Oh, the big white tee, the chains, you know, like that was the trend in the, the music at the time.
2: Fast life, alcohol, drinking, drugs.
1: Yeah, like, like that, um people you know? like um there was a lot of people, uh, G Unit, you know, all that stuff, right? It was just everybody like Everybody wanted to be everybody the hot wanted to be, yeah, the club and at the rapper. Time, we were we were the hot rappers. But then I remember saying to him, like, like, Oh, but you guys are doing all that like native stuff that you know like people like that and I remember being uncomfortable about the club scenes because it wasn't who we were at the time yeah. and and it changed a lot of our relationships and our dynamics and then understanding the business of music that also came into play so there was a lot of times where people were like oh there's no money in hip-hop there's no music in this but there is if you do it the right way yeah you know it's just all about being young understanding and then so growing into our development as artists like um when we started to do music together it wasn't like oh let's write music one day he just asked me like we were in Arizona and I was like laughing with my friends visiting blah blah blah, and we we're at the studio and he was working on music and he's like Lisa get in the booth I'm like for what and he's like just think of something for this and I was like okay and then so that's when we did this life um, which is oh, yeah. on the 1491 oh, yeah. album, yeah. and so what I ended up doing was the backup, was the backup vocals on the song, and and uh, to me that experience was really awesome, and I had it in Arizona, and I was totally out of my element, but it was part of something that I always said, and it was like if you want to do something, you have to have guts. You got to get uncomfortable to succeed. So at that moment, I was super out of my comfort level. And I thought, this is awesome. And then so we came back to Winnipeg, and he started expressing, you know, I'd like you to try more stuff. And I was like, you know, I wouldn't mind. And so we just started talking about it. And so how we share our music is he'll like, if he likes something and he thinks that there's an opportunity for me to be on it, then he'll listen to it, and I'll just, I'll feel it out. I, I'm, I like to feel out the song to know where I want to get my melody from right? And so that's kind of how we mesh our music together. But he still continues to do his bars in it. And somewhere in the mix, I'll come in. So um, the song that we did was uh, My Native People. And it was just him doing his vocals. And I was like, I really wanted to make it sound, sound as strong as what he's saying, right? So if you listen to the lyrics of the song, I'm like, my voice has to be powerful, right? And so it it was just combining that feeling and his lyrics and you know, just feeling out the song.
2: It went a long way,
1: I gotta say. It was a good song.
2: It's it's like when you don't second guess music, you know? It just it just feels right and um it gravitates. People gravitate towards it. Um we won um we submitted that song for the at uh, IMA sessions exclaim and out of like hundreds and hundreds of people who submitted it they picked three and we were one of them so we i was like i knew like it's so weird to say i don't like i want to be cocky about it but i knew i knew when i was submitting it i was telling her i know the song is gonna get it like it's just something about that track it's not like bass heavy there's no real beat to it at all it's just me and her And, and that's like what's missing in music to me it's just like the message
0: so right. yeah. would you two like to perform and maybe even like have a collaboration, like like this album together?
1: We're thinking about for the like we have some ideas like I, I want to release an, another album. He wants to release an album and we're thinking of maybe releasing something small with like maybe like a small EP with some. We're still think we're still bouncing around ideas. Or we could just put it on each other's albums, kind of like you know. So we're we're bouncing around ideas and working at it. Mind you, I'm a full-time student too and a mother of you know four coming five. So you know, in between all that, I bead and sew and <laughs> and, and,
2: and also um, I just survived kidney failure uh, last year. It was uh I just I took um like July. Until the end of the month, the end of the year, off basically, like I had to, Um, and it made me reevaluate a lot of things in my life. And and when when you're at that point to where I was at, basically, like I was really sick and almost dying and whatnot, it it made me understand what was important and what I wanted to do with musically. And musically, I just want to build more with my wife. I think uh, what we can do together is something that can carry those struggling with, like, family issues and stuff like that, things that me and her can get together and our ideas can help ease their tension and help them through their days, you know, because if we can do it, I mean, anybody can do it, you know, so, yeah.
0: What steps do you think we need to take in order to improve the local scene here to allow for more opportunities to encourage more people to experience express their creativity and 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 find that that side of them to express themselves what do you think we need to do or what steps need to be taken
1: well i'll just share my experience for a moment i'm not like trying to you know jab out anyone here or anything but like honestly i felt like i wasn't taking serious as an indigenous artist until i was till i did a collab with my husband you know and then when we say indigenous music well what is that i thought i was singing indigenous music but then I get lumped with an indigenous hip-hop artist, an indigenous rock band, an indigenous, you know what I mean? And I get lumped into this one category. And so it kind of like, you know, as from my standpoint anyways, I think in indigenous music, we need to, I guess, recognize and ta- appreciate all the genres that are in it you know, and not like be like, oh, we're like, yeah, I get it, we're all artists, we're all Indigenous artists, but we all have our own genres and we all specialize in s- certain areas. What makes this um, rock star better than like, say, a good hand tantrum singer that's number one out there, for example, you know, like what makes, uh, there- there's a lot, I guess, but I think the steps that we need to take is I guess recognizing the message that these artists are trying to send. Like right now, there's the trends of the of the MMIW and, you know, there's suicide epidemics going on right now, you know, and these are important messages that need to be um, heard.
2: I honestly think it, oh man, I've watched this music scene change so many times. I've watched it come together. I've watched it fall apart. I've watched it go against, fight against each other. I've, I've watched, I like being in the industry for so long. I've seen it, and the one thing that I think that the 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 scene needs here is just more support from the scene, like. I understand everybody wants to become famous. I understand everybody wants to be the next big thing and whatnot. But if you look at every other city, the next big thing has a lot of support from even their peers, even their their homies. Here in Winnipeg and in Canada in general, it's like if you help somebody out, they look at it as like a double-edged sword. Like, why are you helping? What's your ulterior motive to help? You know, it's not just like trying to help the scene. It's always somebody thinking that you're gonna snake bite them back or something like that. You know, like the scene needs just more support. It needs it needs the rock groups to come together with the hip hop groups. It needs to it needs to make you them understand that Winnipeg is a music scene in itself inside of Canada. You know, there's so much music coming from winnipeg that branches out that gets respect that gets nominated that gets this and that from all these award ceremonies and it's not just hip-hop it's like everything like there's so many so many amazing groups from manitoba but when you come to manitoba and when you come to these shows here there's not like much support for them but they get the more support outside of the city like i can get so much support outside of the city it's crazy like I've. I when you go to Edmonton, I go to Vancouver, I go to Toronto or whatnot. You know, we sell out and we get really crazy crowds. But even when it's in Winnipeg, it's like, you know, I mean, like yeah, they're okay, well, what are they gonna rap about? You yeah. know what I mean? It, it yeah. Like, I, it's like they gotta fall back in love with themselves again, because right now Winnipeg is fighting for for a spot when we should all be banding together to make that spot known. Yeah, you understand yeah. what I'm talking Absolutely. about? Like, it shouldn't be. Like I'm better than you, you're better than me. We're better. No, man, we're all struggling out of the same boat. We're all we're all on the same bottom of the same barrel right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's it's stupid for us to try to climb to the top and drag each other down. You know, if we all stood on each other's shoulders and brought each other up, Winnipeg would be known way more better. winnipeg would probably be known as the entertainment mecca of canada if we weren't so destructive on each other you know and Mm -hmm. that's just reality from these hip-hop festivals from these you know indigenous music this and that and, and 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 defining who we are as this like come on we're all musicians here you know you understand what i'm talking about you know like i i understand Indigenous music, I understand all that stuff, but at the same time, we're we're just musicians, you know, there shouldn't be a label because of my race about what we do, you know, it should just be love for the art, you know, if I love your art and I love your music, which I know I do, I know I go out and support people's shows when they come to Winnipeg. You know and I know I don't get that same support back from certain people but at the same time that's I guess it's just my passion for the music. I just love going out and supporting artists. So mm-hmm. because I want to see everybody shine. I want to see everybody win. I want to see everybody get it from this city. You know, I don't want to see anybody hurt, you know, cuz the more you hurt the more your family and everybody struggles and I know all about that kind of stuff and I don't want anybody to struggle that bad. So like if we were all Banding together and, and, and working together, even like collaborating with each other, even shooting ideas and this and that around each other instead of trying to hold in ideas. Oh, I got this and blah, 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 blah. Oh, and I got this connected. You don't need to know about it. And like, come on, man, like we're all in the same boat. Just grind, right. put out a workshop, help people out, you know, raise raise up your friends, raise up your, your homies, raise up them, raise them up to be equal if you're the breadwinner. You know, because in in that sense, you won't have anybody, you won't be able to say, oh, this person's leeching off me, or this person's this. not. Everybody is just the exact same. Just treat everybody the same. Just, I I treat everybody the way I like to be treated, with respect. I was taught that a long time ago. You know, simple. And so I think that's what we need to do here in Winnipeg. Is just treat treat the scene with more respect and respect each other and come out to each other's shows and just show love you
0: know mm-hmm. i think that's really important because it's, it's easy to get lost in focusing on just your career and, and, and pursuing that and it's frustrating sometimes when you're so isolated from the rest of canada mm-hmm. but alone the world in terms of like traveling to get your music out there or mm-hmm. start touring it's it's quite the, the the distance in comparison to being in toronto and you can get to the greater toronto area mm-hmm. or going down to la and like all like everything is so close and yeah, there's so many people it's there it's
2: like so. a suburb connecting suburbs. Type
0: exactly. So I think just understanding that we're all in the same boat and we all are, are on the same path and we just need to build each other up. I think that's a, a, a perfect message. Mm-hmm. Um, so while we're working on that <laughs> and building up our <laughs> local community, <laughs> uh, how do we make the rest of the world pay attention to the Winnipeg scene? Like, what do we do to like Because I've...
2: Everything is just exactly what I told you. Yeah. Honestly, banding together. Like... Right. When you have one arrow... You know, it's one arrow. You you know, you can break an arrow. But if you have like 10, 12, 15 arrows in the same bunch, those are kind of hard to break. You right. know, people are going to start noticing that. So I just think it's, we need more collaborations, more, more, more working within each other, more rock groups working with drummers, more drum groups working with rap groups, more rap groups working with EDM groups, you know. Stuff so like just branching, branching off. More French groups working with english group more cree groups working with the Jibbaway groups you know what i'm saying just like not in music to me in music there's nothing is taboo like in music is if 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 you feel it then you should just work on it
0: i agree you know what
2: i'm saying
1: mm-hmm. so <laughs> no i already think winnipeg is doing an amazing job like like the platform is there winnipeg is being heard surprise surprisingly um because when i travel to other places and i say i'm from winnipeg and and being just an indigenous artist from winnipeg people make the comment wow you guys are so lucky you guys have so much support Mm -hmm. you know from the province and whomever is out there that's you know manitoba music they're like you guys are so lucky that us in this province like say Saskatchewan we're not even up there yet or you know these others so I think Manitoba is is very grateful for the opportunities that Manitoba music has you know I know being lumped into one Indigenous music category is something we need to work on you know that's why we have the Indigenous Music Awards platform but like I mean to get more involved into like a mainstream like maybe maybe the Junos needs to do away with those categories and put us in there equally, right? Cuz um I think I think everybody has a lot of talent to Go very far like look at the artists that are out there right now like we got Desiree Dorian you know she's just coming from Nashville you know we had the whole Indigenous Music Summit going on in New Orleans like those are very big steps going on but like again you see who sticks out over there Manitoba music right Indigenous music Right. So I believe that, you know, the city is doing a really great job. It's just we need to work on things like more collaborations because that platform is there. And I think we need to take advantage of it for more changes to happen.
0: Amazing. Yeah, I know. I 100 percent agree. And it's it's refreshing to hear that other people feel that way, too. Um we're actually out of time, um, unfortunately. Um, so you'll have to come back for part two once you get that c- collab album. Yeah, rap. we will. We'll definitely yeah. be
1: back to update.
0: That'd be perfect. And then you'll have your little your little one. Yeah. You can bring <laughs> your, him or her and we can all talk. And that'd be fun. Awesome. So thank you so much for coming onto the show. Um, where can people follow you online to support you and keep track of what you're doing?
1: Well, like we said on uh, my... My husband recently um, suffered kidney failure and is now a dialysis patient, and so um, we ask that if anybody wants to support us in what we're doing and um, buy our albums, download them on iTunes, Um, uh, never mind Spotify, it's only a couple cents, like I'd, I'd rather, you know, download our albums, you know, play our music, share it, support our videos, come to our events, um and buy my husband's ringtone if you're really into native <laughs> slang yeah it's this ringtone it goes <laughs> but it's there you know support us Two ninety nine dollars can buy a happy meal oh just kidding <laughs> <laughs> but music like music feeds our families so if you want to support us just buy our music buy them uh, follow us on instagram uh youtube join our fan pages and we're also on facebook
2: Yeah, and on Facebook, it's at Lisa Muswagon, L-I-S-A-M-U-S-W-A-G-O-N. That's basically all, like, the whole board with her on Instagram, Twitter, and all that stuff. For me, it's at Helen Beck, H-E-L-L-N-B-A-C-K, on Facebook, um, Instagram, you know, even Snapchat, stuff like that. (laughs) What do the kids use nowadays? TikTok. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, i'm not there yet no, trust me if you look for helen back on there it's not me um <laughs> but you can go to spotify you can go anywhere you can uh, just even just googling us googling helen back or lisa Muswagen. a lot of pages will pop up you mm. know yeah so you know we're very easy to find on the, online just um support 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 by the music and support local radio all day
0: Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Winnipeg Music Project on one hundred one point five UMFM Music Making Matters. I'm your host Ashley Bianch. This has been Lisa Muswagen and Helen Back. Stay tuned next week for another interview with a local music maker. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Winnipeg Music Project. For more on local music makers, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Music by Will and Art from Collector Studio. And a big thank you to UMFM for making this show possible.